Hello, everyone. Before this week's episode begins, I wanted to let everyone know about some amazing news within the mist. The second annual Paranormality Magazine's Podcast Awards has officially begun its voting. Goldie Ann and I have been nominated for an award in the Best 40 in Podcast category. If you would like to help us and you feel we deserve to win, this is your chance to really support the show. Please go to ParanormalityMag.com and cast your vote for Within the Mist. There will be a link provided in the show notes and on our social media pages. There's no cost and no obligation, but it would mean a great deal to both of us for your support of the work we do. Voting ends September 11th, so please cast your vote today at Paranormality Magazine Podcast Awards and remind your friends. Thank you so much for the nomination and all that you guys do to support our show. Welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your silly and wacky host, Gary, here to entertain and inform you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries with my lovely wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Good morning, Goldie Ann. Hey, wackadoo. Wackadoo, wackadoo. It's important for this episode to try and be light at the beginning because this episode is going to get dark really quick. Yay! By doing research for today's episode, I read about a clown who was attempting to get a job at a circus, but he was unsuccessful, Goldian. Really? What happened? Well, it seems he just wasn't it. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Are you choking over there? No, that one's a pretty good one. Okay. I think. You think? <laughs> <laughs> The dad jokes have been have worn you down to you. Yeah. You can't tell the difference anymore. <laughs> I guess we're all pretty good now. <laughs> I knew it, I knew if I just kept at it, eventually you'd crack. <laughs> but for today's episode, it contains stories about child abduction and a real medical condition in which people have fears about clowns. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. You make your way to the big top, full of excitement and awe. You are brimming with anticipation at watching the trapeze act swing across the air in death-defying stunts without a net. You want to see the man with the trained dogs leaping through hoops, tails wagging. You have your hands full of cotton candy, popcorn, and peanuts as you make your way up to the stands to your seat. Your thrill turns to dread as a parade crosses the center ring. It's a large collection of clowns, their white faces painted with unnaturally large smiles and brightly colored wigs. They're wearing clothes that are too baggy and too brightly colored. Shoes that are far too large for any normal person dance to and fro as they wave to the audience. The audience is cheering, but you are starting to sweat. 
your heartbeat has switched to overdrive as the beating is so loud that it threatens to burst your eardrums. Panic and anxiety has set in. You are suffering from chorophobia, an intense and debilitating fear of clowns. That's crazy. Which part? The part of being afraid of clowns or that it can have such an effect on people? Um, kind of both because, I mean, it's an actual thing. It's a very yeah. debilitating thing. Coulophobia is a very real medical mental condition in which it is believed that children and adults have a fear of clowns causing them to experience extreme irrational reactions. This can happen anytime they see clowns in person or even view pictures or videos of clowns. I think my daughter actually was close to having it. I don't know if she actually had it had it because, I mean, I've heard of a lot of cases where it's, I mean, really extreme. And she was extreme, but not to the point of I would label her. But jack-in-the-boxes, she was scared to death jack-in-the-boxes. Um, I used to hide uh, clowns in the bathroom, and she'd freak out when she'd open the door. Mom of the Year <laughs> Award. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, she she was just... It was horrible for her to watch the movie It, but she actually watched it. One of her boyfriends tricked her into watching it. And so that, it's... and I have a lot of information that might tie into that. It's even possible that this episode may cause some distress to a few of our listeners. And for that, I do apologize and promise that when the episode is over, everything will be fine. There's a connection between scary clowns in the media and people being intensely afraid of them. It is said that viewing too many scary movies with clowns at an impressionable age can have a lasting impact, such as you said for your, our daughter uh, watching it and being tricked into it. Sometimes it only takes once at a friend's sleepover to create this condition. In the book, Bad Clowns by Benjamin Radford, he defined the differences between good and bad clowns. As the traditional and welcomed ones are the symbols of playful, whimsy, and friendly attitudes, while their dark counterparts are tricksters, deceitful, and malevolent. But what if there is more to this irrational fear? A deep instinct to protect us in our subconscious that causes us to distrust those in the wild clothes and giggling personalities. What? If there has been real, tangible evidence to support this fear. What? Today, take a walk with us within the mist as we discuss the case of phantom clowns. Oh, this sounds like it's going to be good. This, honestly, after I finished writing this, I think was one of the scarier stories that we have told. Really? Oh, I can't wait. Well, chapter one, the origin of the clown. The clown is an archetype of characters and stories. It has existed from the earliest known civilizations. The most ancient clowns have been found in the 5th dynasty of Egypt, existing around 2400 BCE. Unlike court gestures, clowns have traditionally been served as a socio-religious and psychological role. Traditionally, the roles of priests and clown were held by the same people. Wow. 
Peter Berger writes, It seems plausible that folly and fools, like religion and magic, meet some deeply rooted needs in human society. They are polar opposites to one another, a means to explain the importance of religion and the folly of magic. For this, the clown resembles man, but is a twisted distortion, a fool tricked by either the devil or his own foolish ways away from the path of righteousness. So in many of these ancient cultures, they would utilize clowns as being the dark forms of man, tricked by the devil or some other form of evil. Sounds right. Okay. The form of the clown in ancient Greece was of a squat slave with a padded stomach who would pelt spectators with nuts, and he would parody orgies and other bad behavior. It was part of his duty to misbehave and then be slapped at the public's expense. Wow. He was the symbol of punishment and folly, much like those portrayed in the Punch and Judy puppet shows of historical times. You know, I've never watched one of those. A Punch and Judy show? Yeah. It's a traditional show that's passed on through the centuries. Yeah. And I don't know why I've never watched one. I'm sure we could find a copy of one on YouTube. The English word clown was first recorded around 1560 in the generic, meaning rustic, boorish, or peasant. He was considered uneducated and someone to make fun of, generally treated as the town idiot. However, variations of these fools began having their first diabolical variations even this early on. Harlequins those clowns that are dressed in the diamond pattern costumes and wearing a mask were a clown who acted as demons of ignorance and tempters of mankind. Many of the early plays, they would lure lost souls away from the purity of reasoning and into their darker realms. That's crazy. Because I grew up with my mom reading the Harlequin romance novels. I always thought Harlequins were like romance stuff growing up. <laughs> And that's kind of the play, how I mentioned that uh, clowns were actors of going with your baser instincts, such yeah. as romance and lust and things like that. Cool. So there's where you get your tie of the Harlequins on those romance novels. Aha. Uh -huh. Many of these Harlequin characters began appearing in plays and stories involving magical creatures, where he is a kind of diabolical acrobat who could be used to aid you or against you. One poem relates how one night a harlequin had a vision of Mother Cardine, a villainous old woman who in her lifetime kept a brothel in Paris, and how she had risen from the underworld in order to beg, quote, her son, to rescue her, to deliver her from the torments of hell. As soon as he awoke from the dream, harlequin journeyed to the river of death. He leapt on the Caron's shoulders as lightly as a monkey and proceeded to divert that grim ferryman by putting out his tongue, rolling his eyes, and performing a thousand antics. His behavior went on to divert even the king of the underworld's attention until he was promised anything he desired, whereupon he promptly requested that Mother Cardine be restored to life to continue her wicked ways. So even the clown and the harlequins were able to trick the devil and the underworld to have their way. That's crazy. But 
these ancient stories of the darker clones would play out on a much more lasting and possibly real world stage in a small village in Germany. Chapter 2 The Pied Piper of Hamelin. This is, you're not going to start telling the, the children's story, are you? I'm going to tell you the story and then wow. you tell me what you think afterwards. Okay. <laughs> if you're talking about the story of the man wearing the multicolored clothing, who made people feel slightly uneasy as he passed by, then this is that story. Mm, I don't think it is. Well, he was a stranger in appearance and attitude, which was far too cheerful for the more solemn farmers of Hamlin. This was especially true during the time of 1284, in which the village was suffering a pest problem of rats. It is. These rats were invading every home and destroying the grain they depended on to survive the upcoming winter. The strange man in the multicolored clothes, which is where the term pied came from, offered his services to the town council. They considered his boast that he could resolve their rat problem for a bag of gold and they readily accepted. As you mentioned, if this sounds familiar, it is because you may have heard this tale as a child of the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Yeah, I think it's, I think I just heard of it called the Pied Piper. Well, the term Pied means that he is clothes were made up of colorful patches. In this case, it's actually known that the Pied Piper's name was Bunting. Yeah. With a flute, the Piper lured all the rats out of the town and down to the river where they drowned in Wesser River. However, after his feat was done, the town refused to pay the agreed price and chased the foolish man out of their village. Rude. On June 24th, known as St. John's Day, the Pied Piper returned and played a different tune on his musical instrument. Its melody affected all 130 children who followed him out of the town and into the hills. He lured them down the streets until they eventually came to a cave in the Kotenberg Mountain, where the entrance was sealed and the children were gone forever. Hmm. So this is the story that you've heard before, correct? Um, I don't think it added the children to it. I um, just remember the mice. <clears throat> well, so then they left out the rest of the story. I to need figure. to look it up. Well, I just told you the story, so but yeah, you can. No, I mean, I need to look up the children's story. <laughs> Understood. Well, we grew up believing that this was just a story, but there are scholars today that suggest that the events may have been based more on fact than fiction. The town of Hamlin does exist, and has a plaque telling of the terrible day in which the Pied Piper took their children away from them. Bunting was the original phantom clown. Scary. Lauren Coleman defined the term phantom clown in his book, Mysterious America, the ultimate guide to the nation's weirdest wonders, strangest spots, and creepiest creatures. Based on multiple accounts of clowns or clown-like entities appearing in locations where you would not expect to see them. Phantom does not refer to ghosts or spirits, but the unusual location of these smiling clowns. We would all expect to see a clown in a circus or a carnival, 
but skipping down the street, piping a merry tune would be strange and cause a deep-rooted fear in children of being snatched up and spirited away forever, like the cautionary tale of the Pied Piper. Perhaps this is why the incidents of 1981 were so chilling and sufficient to cause parents to keep their children inside their homes and safe behind locked doors. Chapter 3 The Phantom Clown Scare of 1981 Hey, I was alive at that time. What are we talking about? As was I, I don't remember this occurring, but I do know that some of the after effects that I'm going to talk about did happen. Okay. And you'll probably recall them as well. On Tuesday, May 6, 1981, police received a report that one or two men wearing clown outfits were driving a candy-laden van around Brookline's Longview School of Massachusetts. Clowns that were dressed in white faces with red nose and colorful clothing had approached children on Longwood Avenue near the Lawrence School. The men were enticing the children into their van by luring in their victims with candy and ice cream promises. According to the Boston Globe, the vehicle was described as an older model black van with ladders on the side, a broken front headlight, and no hubcaps. Kind of a different from a clown car than you would think. Definitely. The worst part was this was not an isolated incident but was instead just one of several creepy clown sightings across the greater Boston area during the spring of 1981. Brookline police called the town school department and told administrators to be extra cautious, to be wary of possible children kidnappings. The school district's investigative counselor and school superintendent Robert Sperber quickly issued a memo instructing all 10 elementary schools to warn their students. That'd be terrifying. Can you imagine hearing that over the loudspeaker? <laughs> well, these memos were actually given to the children to take home to their parents. Mm. The memo said, It has been brought to the attention of the police department and the district office that adults dressed as clowns have been bothering children to and from school. Please advise all students that they must stay away from strangers, especially ones dressed as clowns. Especially. The Boston police even issued a citywide bulletin searching for a clown who had been seen in a black van near Franklin Park Horseshoe Playing Grounds. This is located in the Roxbury and Curley School in Jamaica Plain of Massachusetts. This clown reportedly only had half of a clown suit on as he was naked from the waist down and was wanted for questioning. Oh, that's freaking gross. Just a few days later, the clown scare strangely died down in Boston. On May 9th, the Globe reported that a clown driving a pickup was stopped by police in Randolph, but was released when they realized he was delivering a clownogram to a department store in Canton. Embarrassed at their mistake, and with no other clowns arrested because there were no other clowns, particularly creepy ones, there was just no suspects or evidence left behind of all the reports the police received. The police said 
that virtually all reported sightings of clowns originated with children aged 5 to 7. The police could offer no evidence of any child being harassed, molested, injured, or kidnapped in the metropolitan area by a person in a clown's clothes. No adult, civilian, or police officer ever saw one of these phantom clowns. Because of that, at the end of 1981, the creepy clown scare in Boston was considered resolved. However, the phenomenon popped up in other parts of the country later that spring. It seems that the description of clown men in vans harassing children moved on to cities around the Boston area, such as Canton, Randolph, and Cambridge. So it stayed in the same area? It seemed to center in one area and then started rippling out like on a, like on a lake when you throw a stone in it. Right, but it was still in Massachusetts? At this point, okay. the police force attempted to explain away the sightings because of the age of the children, oddly reminiscent of the children of Hamlin. Eventually, headlines reporting that the, quote, police discount reports of clowns bothering kids were being published in all the major newspapers. Parents took this as to be the truth. They considered the case closed and the public satisfied. This should have been the end of the story, but it wasn't. The sightings continued to expand beyond Boston as the clowns made their way down the highway to Providence, Rhode Island. They soon had their own cases of clown men disturbing the children. Lovely. Psychiatric social workers were being called in to counsel frightened children across the city. Just like in Boston, the sightings were brushed off as a spillover from the Boston scare of clowns. It seems that the children were not being taken seriously. The attempt to quiet the phantom clown scare could not be contained as on May 22, 1981, Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri required police cruisers to conduct a manhunt for a knife-wielding clown in a yellow van. Oh, jeez. It would be hard to ignore this considering it was reported at six different elementary schools. Oh, Lord. The clowns seemed to have moved on from the East Coast. LaTanya Johnson, a 6th grade student at Fairfax Elementary School, gave one account of seeing the killer clown. According to her, he was by the fence and then ran down through the big yard near the school where some of the kids were there playing. He was dressed in a black shirt with a devil on the front. Two candy canes were printed down each side of his pants which were black as well. For some strange reason, she was unable to remember much of the face. Even a mother spotted the yellow van approach her children as they walked to a school bus stop. The shadow of someone she could see spoke to her two daughters when they suddenly screamed and fled from the bus stop. The vehicle raced off and the girls told their mother that a man dressed as a clown and carrying a knife had ordered them to get inside the van. Mm. The public of the Kansas cities called it the killer clown affair. Parents even prevented their children from attending school out of fear of the clown in the yellow van. 
One school principal remarked that the kids were just terrified. Well, if he's got a knife, I think I'd be terrified too. And telling me to get in the vehicle? Hey, stranger danger, man. Remember that phrase. Okay. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania then became the new haunting grounds for this phantom clowns in June of 1981. Children in the Hill District stated that two men dressed in clown suits and driving in a van had approached them and tried to take them. Strangely, this rash of sightings caused some peculiar variations. The stories of the clowns seemed to have changed, where in one neighborhood there was someone wearing a pink and white rabbit costume scaring the children before escaping in his blue van. Then there was another one who was dressed as Spider-Man joining in in the scares, as well as a gorilla-suited man chasing children in another story. These stories never captured the same level of the attention as the Phantom Clown sightings, but it did cause the entire community to be in a panic. In Arlington Heights, Pennsylvania, a clown was attempting to lure a boy into a vehicle and was the beginning of the police department receiving 15 sightings of Phantom Clowns each day. Jesus. To battle this, the police organized, with the help of two canine patrols and a volunteer army of a hundred children armed with clubs <laughs> who conducted a search of the area. Okay, they allowed the kids <clears throat> with clubs to search the area? Well, either the police were attempting to calm the fears of the children by giving them a feeling that they were doing something against the phantom clown, or the truth could be even stranger. I'm going with the stranger. The stranger theory is, did the local police force realize that the reason that the sightings were all by children was because only children could see these clowns? Oh my God, I never even thought about that. That's, that's crazy. Okay, you've got more for this, right? I have lots more. Okay. Regardless of the reason, there was no captures or arrests made in any of these phantom clown cases. The witnesses were undeterred and insisted that these clowns, armed with knives, machetes, and other weapons, were not imaginary, but real, and attempting to steal them away forever. Jesus. Much like the story of the Pied Piper. Here's where it ties into our childhood, Goldian. Okay. The world of 1981 has changed drastically for children since then. During my youth, there was freedom to play in the neighborhood just so long as you were home as soon as the streetlights were on. Right. Over time, especially at this time, children kidnapping became a real fear, intangible to the parents. It may not have been done by clowns, but the disappearances and tragic deaths of children became a far too frequent basis. Perhaps some of the panic of the clowns stealing children came out of the headlines. It may not have been done by clowns, but the disappearances and tragic deaths of children on a far too frequent basis changed all of our childhoods. Because I don't remember exactly when it happened, but yeah, it started getting to the point where Children weren't allowed to just roam the neighborhoods and playing and without telling their parents every detail of where they went. Yeah. Is that the same with you? No. 
<laughs> what? Because we lived in Wyoming, so <laughs> not much happens there. Still, to this day. <laughs> An innocent place. Very. But for the rest of us, I do remember that, yeah, the climate of stranger danger did start taking effect. Yeah. And this Phantom Clowns may have been a key part of it. Either by connecting it to other real children kidnappings or just by the fear of children being kidnapped in the first place. Worse is perhaps some of the panic of clowns stealing children came out of the actual headlines from just a few years earlier. Serial killers have taken the smiling faces of clowns and twisted it into something far more sinister. John Wayne Gacy regularly performed at children's hospitals and charitable events as Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown, personas he had devised. He would appear in clown makeup clothing and try to be cheerful for the children. Unfortunately, he would later become known as the Killer Clown due to his public services as a clown prior to a discovery of his very heinous crimes. It was eventually discovered that Gacy had raped, tortured, and murdered at least 33 young men and boys beginning in 1972 until his capture on December 21, 1978, less than three years earlier than the beginning of the phantom clown sightings of 1981. Hmm. I wonder if people started, I guess, not I wonder, that's got to be. Got to be what? Um, where crazies got it from. Dress up like a clown and try to get kids. <clears throat> There's two ways of looking at this. It could either be that there was people who wanted to play into the copycat and dress in clown costumes of their own to try and be scary right or these are children that overheard the news and their parents talking about John Wayne Gacy remember this was big news and was talked about everywhere right. a child who doesn't understand the difference between reality and fantasy might take these fears of a killer clown like John Wayne Gacy and project them into a magical creature that they might start seeing in the woods and vans are trying to kidnap children to kidnap them. Yeah. So psychologically, John Wayne Gacy may be tied into the creation of the Phantom Clowns. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't follow. I personally wouldn't follow that side. I don't know. I have more faith in children than that. Not, well, not faith in children. I just, I don't think, I don't know. I can't really explain it. Well, you have to re remember, and I'm no psychologist, that children have to take the world that they live in and they have to shape it in a way that they understand. Yeah. So if they hear on the news and they see a picture of John Wayne Gacy in his clown costume and then they hear about some of the horrible things he did, for them to try and understand it, they may have to start creating these phantom clowns that are much different than the ones that they're used to in the circuses. Yeah. It is feasible to consider lingering concerns about men like Gacy would still roam the streets abducting children, smiling behind clown makeup. That's even more terrifying is that what if there were copycats? Yeah. And they're roaming the countryside and 
black vans with uh, offering kids candy. Yeah, that's more where I'm at. Well, there's also a third group who would uh -oh. like to blame the Phantom Clown Panic and the rash of the sightings on Stephen King's novel titled It. This is a book that he wrote about a demonic clown in the small town of Derry and its effect on children and the population. It became a hit as soon as it was released. And a lot of people would like to blame that the sightings of the Phantom Clowns was because of this book. Unfortunately, the book wasn't even published until 1986, five years after the Phantom Clowns began their terrifying appearances. So you can't even blame it on people attaching it to the book. Right. Regardless of why people were seeing clowns on their street corners or behind the buildings in vans, parents started teaching their children about how to be safe and the importance of stranger danger. Unfortunately, that feeling of safety to believe that the Phantom Clowns was just a shadowy and forgotten folklore of Hamelin or 1981 would not last for long. Chapter 4 the Phantom Clowns of Today. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to get to that, because, I mean, it's like not too long ago. It's happening every day. It's crazy. It would be nice to dismiss the fears as a fad conjured up by children and then left behind. However, Phantom Clowns continue to spring up time after time in our modern world with the same nefarious tendencies. Case in point, Madison, Wisconsin reported a story on June 20, 2000 in the Wisconsin State Journal that could have been an exact reprint from 1981. The article stated that a man wearing black face paint dressed in a complete clown costume and holding three helium balloons tried to lure children into the woods near the King James Court apartments. The Fitchburg police were sent in to locate the clown, but he had vanished not even leaving footprints from his oversized clown shoes. There was even a modern epidemic of phantom clown sightings similar to the one that happened in Boston, this time centering on Greenville, South Carolina. It started with a little boy at a low-income apartment complex who ran to his mother, Donna Arnold, terrified and clutching at her for protection. He told her he had seen two clowns in the woods, both brightly dressed and made up. One had a red fright wig and the other with a black star painted on his face. They had whispered something to the boy. They were trying to lure him to the house, his mother told the reporters, pointing towards the woods. There was a path into the woods that led down to a shaded hollow and at the bottom of which was a small pond. Beside the pond, actually did exist a house that seemed to be abandoned. Someone had boarded up the windows and the balcony sagged. Could this have been the home of the Phantom Clowns? Mrs. Arnold pointed to the dented spot in her door where the paint had recently been chipped away. The clowns hit it with a chain, she said, with complete conviction. She saw them. They hit her door and then ran off into the woods just as she came out. Wow, so there you go. <clears throat> they were trying to scare the mother and son. So now you have a mother backing the child's story. In this case, yes. 
And from this patch of woods, the word of prowling clowns began to spread. On the other side of Greenville, and then down South Carolina's low country. Then it grew again, expanding to North Carolina, to Florida, Kentucky, beyond the South, to Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and New York. A whole new rash of phantom clown sightings was reported to the police, but with no evidence and no arrests. What were the children seeing? Maybe today we have a little bit more of an idea of what the kids are seeing. Because a terrifying piece of evidence is the number of clown sightings that are caught on video. There have been so many of these phantom clown videos that YouTube's Top 15's channel was able to put together their Top 15 Scariest Clown Sightings. Briefly describing some of these encounters, in Bridgeport, West Virginia, there's a man fishing at night. Upon hearing a strange sound heading his way, he turned on his phone's light and video recorder. Turning his flashlight in the direction of the noise, there is a figure in a long black cloak, but possessing green hair and white face paint of a clown. He wears a bright red nose with a red smile as he watches him making his way out of the dark woods. The terrified fisherman attempts to leave, but the clown creepily follows him even as he reaches his car and pulls away. Next video, a man notices a disturbance outside of the Dunkin' Donuts in Clifton, New Jersey. As he exits the building and looking up, he can see a clown with orange hair sticking out from either side of his head, standing atop of a billboard beside a busy highway, waving down a hundred feet below him to the traffic. The eyewitness cannot even determine how he could have made his way up there. Evan Thompson posted his own encounter in the St. Louis Apiso of California on his Facebook page. In his encounter, he was driving as his friend was recording something on the side of the road. A bulb horn, much like you would hear on a bicycle or from a clown, honked in the background. And they saw a clown standing beneath a streetlight staring at them as they passed by slowly. Then, without warning, the clown suddenly begins chasing after the car on foot. Jesus. In another incidence of a clown chasing after a car, in Los Angeles, California, friends noticed that a clown in traditional costume and face paint was standing under a streetlight on the other side of a parking lot. They decided that they should leave and got into their car. Just as they began to make their way out of the lot, the clown begins to chase after the vehicle, almost grabbing onto the hood as they made their getaway. Wow. Doorbell cameras are also ripe territory of phantom clowns being recorded on the doorsteps of homes. Some of these phantom clowns are seen brandishing machetes or large knives as they stare menacingly into the camera or rip apart Halloween pumpkins on the porch. Are these a trend of hoaxes or very real encounters that have sprung up from our digital age? It is very likely that these and many others on the internet are all hoaxes. It would not be difficult to obtain a clown outfit or a mask, 
but they do play on the inner terror people have. Lauren Coleman described how many of these cases build upon each other to create the phantom clown phenomena. Is there a fear that we hold deep inside us that urges us to distrust clowns outside of their festivals and circus environments? Absolutely. <laughs> is there a reason to be scared when a man who is a distortion of a man is seen in areas that we know he should not be present? Absolutely. We have an instinct to protect ourselves. Perhaps we learned long ago from Bunting, the Pied Piper, to beware the smiles and cheerful clothes of the clowns, to ignore the promises of music and ice cream. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If it's not Halloween, if you're not at a circus, if you're not at a fair, if you're not somewhere, and you see a clown, and God forbid if he has a weapon on him, what are you gonna think? And He's why not is- there to give you a present. <clears throat> And why does he always target children? Because children are the easiest to scare. And the most innocent to be lied to. And to be taken. Which is the scariest part of the phantom clown phenomena. Clowns have made for some of the most terrifying villains in movies today. Pennywise, or also named It, from Stephen King has been a widely popular novel which was later translated into a television limited series in 1990 and then a pair of films in 2017 and 2019. Pennywise, the clown-like figure, is a perfect example of the phantom clown, as it is an ancient trans-dimensional evil entity which preys upon the children, who are the only ones who seem to see it. And sometimes his victims are adults of Derry, Maine, roughly every 27 years, maybe similar to the time period in which the phantom clown phenomena seems to occur. He uses a variety of powers that include the ability to shapeshift, manipulate reality, and go unnoticed by adults. King stated in a 2013 interview that he came up with the idea for Pennywise after asking himself, What scared children? And what did they fear more than anything else in the world? He felt that the definite answer was clowns. Another clown rapidly making its mark in horror movies is The Terrifier. This 2016 slasher film features Art the Clown, who appears in multiple horror films. His part two's coming out. They just released the trailer yesterday. And what did you think? Well, I love Art the Clown. He's, he's, he's a really good modern horror movie. Well, Art is a demonic killer clown with mime-like qualities who appears on Halloween nights to wreak havoc. His behavior is very much like that of a silent clown in obvious reverence to his appearance, and he is never shown speaking or making any other audible noises. Even when badly injured, he mimes the screams of pain instead of making any actual sounds. He always silently laughs when his targets are in peril and is very theatrical when hunting down and killing them, oftentimes performing his kills in an animated, comedic manner. So, he is the blend of a clown and demon. Mm-hmm. 
Unlike other silent slasher villains, Art is very expressive and emotional, using gestures and facial expressions to communicate. It is unclear if Art cannot speak or if he simply chooses not to. Perhaps in this next upcoming movie we'll find out. The third choice for evil clowns is the killer clowns from outer space. This is a tongue-in-cheek science fiction comedy horror film. Just outside the town, a young couple who are at a local lover's lane spot a strange glowing object falling to earth. They will discover a large circus tent-like structure with mysterious clown-like aliens known as clowns, spelled with a K. The clowns are attacking people all over town and placing them in cotton candy-like cocoons <laughs> in which they dissolve to be eaten through a straw by the alien creatures. People are being shot by popcorn bazookas, attacked by living balloon dogs, and even shrunk by shadow puppets. This is a great mixture of being silly with just enough clown terror to cause a real panic in some of the viewers. Clowns are terrifying, of course. Did you always think so? Not really. I mean, they're, you know, like I said, if, if a clown came up to me and it wasn't <clears throat> the time to have a, see a clown, then yeah, I'd, I'd probably be terrified. But looking at them or watching movies, no. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, personally, I've never felt any fear of clowns, even today walking down the street. I fondly remember Bozo the Clown on television, who introduced some of my favorite cartoon shows as a child on television. Ronald McDonald ran my favorite restaurant, where I would beg my parents for french fries whenever we passed one of the Golden Arches. So I had a more positive connection to clowns as a child. I guess I was just never exposed to the horror side of clowns during those younger formative years. Yeah, so that's like me. I, I I can't really say I'm even on TV. They don't scare me. But I mean, if in real life, if one came up to me in this phantom clown thing, then yeah, hell. Well, after reading how clowns were utilized as characters and plays and stories through the ages, I kind of understand now the dread that people have in connection to them. Yeah, they were portrayed as either at best the ignorant and buffoon at worst as the trickster and demons. For me, the worst part though is I find the most disheartening part of Phantom Clowns are the hoaxes in which people dress in the smiling faces and focus on turning a joy into a terror. This need to scare people with something that was so positive. Right. It just feels like it's destroying something that's supposed to be good in our childhood. Or, perhaps I am wrong, and clowns, much like the Pied Piper of Hamlet, should be feared. I think nowadays, yeah. And our childhood did change because of that. Right. Well, being sure to double check for clowns in the shadows of the woods, I suppose this is a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. Special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for our introduction music. We are on social media and love to hear your stories and opinions about encounters with phantom clowns of your very own. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast, 
We are also on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com. This is for any of you who would like to share your tales. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Phantom Clowns, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, closely look at those painted faces and colored wigs, and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time.